Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, film listeners. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect movies with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. In anticipation for the 2021 Academy Awards ceremony, Matt Simmons comes back on the show to talk about a new love of ours, the 2020 Danish film, Another Round. Welcome back, Matt. Thank you, Josh. I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's been a minute. It has it has been a while. We've been doing, you know, we it's ever since what, Son of a Woman was the last one we did? I believe right? so. I think this one... This is a new feat for us because, you know, this is our first time seeing uh, or the first time we're doing a podcast about a movie that we hadn't seen. So we're getting the first. um, We did it last time with Promising Young Woman. Rihanna and I did it, especially, you know, getting amped up for award season. Today, we're going to be talking about another round nominated for Best Foreign Language. And Thomas Vinderberg is nominated for Best Director. Um, I want to start with award season. Um, And, you know, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Obviously, there's been understatement, you know, but yeah, <laughs> limited, limited releases, um, change of release strategy, change in rules of the Academy in terms of which films can be eligible in terms of release date. Right. Like the first year that we've seen, you know, um, Judas and the Black Messiah got nominated, even though it premiered at Sundance just a yeah. few months ago. It's 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 absolutely crazy. So before we get into the nitty and the gritty about another round and our feelings on it. I just want to know what your um, what your where your mindset is this time of year because award season has always been pretty special to us. Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, I've been an Oscar snob for a long time. Yeah. I, I always say like the first Oscars I distinctly remember watching with my parents um, were for 2007. So No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. And as a kid, I was like, I don't know what these two movies are, but I want to see them so bad. And little yeah. did I, I was like super right. But yeah, so mm-hmm. I've I've always watched them with my parents growing up, and I always get really into award season. Oh yeah, me too. And we we get all hyped when nominations start coming out. And uh, you know, I I want to know like has how has the mindset changed um, this year with all the changes that I mentioned earlier? And um, are you are you expecting something different? Like, what are your thoughts going into it? Yeah, I mean, initially, I think you know, once COVID started hitting, and then uh, I, I followed like the Oscars subreddit, and you know, people were wondering like, oh, are these going to be like the worst Oscars ever? Because no movies are coming out. Like, what's going to happen? Like, are even any like interesting things going to come out? But I think you know, despite all the movies that were pushed back or delayed or what have you, we still ended up with a really good crop of movies. Um, Certainly, I think the least seen slate of Oscar movies mm-hmm. in terms of like, I think only people that were really going out of their way to see these mm-hmm. know about them and have seen them. But um, yeah, it's been an interesting year. And I, I still think the quality of these, you know, the eight films nominated for Best Picture is pretty high of, of the ones I've seen. Um, so I think in the end, you know, it's, it's still a pretty exciting race and whatnot. Yeah, I think we're uh, when we record this, we're about three weeks out. Um, and you know, there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of wrenches have been thrown, uh, into the mix of the, the golden globe outcomes, mm. the SAG, um, outcomes were just, um, a couple days ago and we're still waiting on the BAFTA. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, the the um, BAFTA were crazy this year. Like so yeah. many movies I've never heard of. I'm like, what are all, like, I think mm-hmm. the BAFTAs went overboard with trying to be more inclusive because they've been accused of being like 
pretty racist in the past in terms mm-hmm. of nominating black nominees and whatnot, even more so than the Oscars. Um, yeah. Um, and so like, I, I think it's interesting. I remember when the Oscar, when the nominations for the Oscars this year came out, there were a couple like, what? But overall, like for the most part, I was, you know, very much like, okay, like I, I, yeah. I understand these nomin these nominations and I'm honestly not that like, you know, I'm not that outraged or, I mean, I don't really get outraged, but like, yeah, I, I like, wasn't that like, yeah, I was, I, I wasn't like confused. I wasn't, um, really questioning why one movie was nominated over, over the other. I mean, the uh-huh. biggest thing was like Glenn Close getting nominated for Hillbilly Elegy. It's yeah, like, you're setting, was... you're setting a bad example. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope she doesn't win for that. Not that I've seen the movie, but like, it just, it would be, it'd be kind of lame if she ends up winning for something like that, but mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, I think it's interesting that this crop of movies, you know, most of them dominated or like distributed through streaming services. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them had like quick little moments um, when they were released in terms of how they were advertised. And then some of them didn't really stick like I but like over the past couple months, I think it's interesting that how some of the my early predictions were like have kind of gone away. I was expecting Mank to be like one of the front runners and I really don't think it is anymore, even yeah. though it's got the most nominations. Yeah. I mean, it's a shoe in for production design because I don't, I don't see how it could go to anything else. Um, but I remember when that was announced way back when like, Oh, Fincher's making a movie about old Hollywood. Like the Oscars are going to eat this shit up. And I mean, they did, they clearly nominated a bunch, but um I think amongst this crop of like really diverse nominees, it's the most um, like traditional and white, I guess, of them all. So like, I think there is a kind of narrative of that, like with all these other exciting stories, you know, a Korean family, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, so many uh, people of color nominated. You got two women nominated for best director. Like, there's so many other stories that I guess you know people are like, "Oh, Fincher, we've been there, done that." And I, I still love Mank. I think it's an incredible movie, but mm-hmm. um, I kind of understand. Um, that it, why it probably won't do as well at the Oscars as some others. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Mank, and I haven't seen the three of the best pick nominees that I haven't seen are The Father, Sound of Metal, um, and Minari. Um, I'm I'm still trying to get to those within the next. Same um, with me, except I have seen Sound of Metal. Okay. Um, and right now, I just think this is also one of the times where it's so unpredictable, like one of the most unpredicted award seasons. I think, I think there are a couple of the big categories where you're like, all right, I, I see who's going to win. I mean, I, I think Nomadland is still the front runner for best picture. Yeah, and I, definitely director, think, I think, yeah, I definitely think Chloe Zhao is going to win. Um, but like, you know, best actress is kind of all over the best place. actress and supporting actress are both like completely up in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, Everyone and, wants Carrie Mulligan to win, as far as I can tell, but like she hasn't won any. She didn't win Golden Globe or SAG, and she's not even nominated at BAFTA for, somehow. Mm-hmm. So, like, who knows? Yeah, it's crazy. I, and same but, with supporting actress; it's all over the place. Yeah, I want Amanda Seyfried, but obviously, like, no idea. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing, you know, it's just I don't know how the show like what the format of the show is necessarily going to look like. Cause I think that haven't they, um, they've insisted it's going to be an in-person thing. Well, I know that they were not, I think they were going to do some zoom stuff, but they, um, like there was some discrepancies about like whether people in foreign countries or foreign nations were going to be able to like call in or they would have to right. send someone to pick it up. It's like, it is a mess. It seems like, and, but I, I also, think, yeah, well I heard, I didn't watch the golden globes, but I heard they were kind of a mess. So I think they probably saw that and were like, well, we don't want to also be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I think the Emmys have done it the best. In yeah, I love the Emmys. Yeah, like, I think they presented it. Yeah, it worked really well. I just, I don't know. I hope they just don't lean into the awkwardness of it. Mm-hmm. I hope they're just like, all right, this is kind of what we have to do, so let's just do it. And, you know, part of me, I've said it before, I think this is kind of what the Oscars needs in a way because a couple of the past shows excluding the winners and the outcomes a couple of the shows have been kind of terrible mm-hmm. like the last in-person oscars in my opinion was not that great because it felt like they, they constantly had to pander and didn't really know what to do so right. like you get people you know like janelle monet who i love coming out and do, it felt like the tonys and then eminem shows up and then it's just that like, was I was fine with it, but also I was like, why, the, why, why now? I guess it's because he never performed originally when that song was nominated. And I guess maybe it was like the 20th anniversary of it or something, but like, mm-hmm. it still was like so out of left field, but I don't know. I mean, they were trying clearly. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think one of the biggest surprises in a, in a positive way was that Thomas Vinterberg got nominated for best director, which is, yeah, kind of I would a, say, yeah, the two big surprises when the nominations came out were Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah and, and Thomas Vinterberg for best director. Oh yeah. And I'm pretty happy with both of those. Um, yeah. and so that segues into another round and, uh, I want to ask you quickly, um, you know, I, I've always found that the first viewing is a very important experience to have with a movie. You kind of have like go into a movie with a certain mindset, depending on what you've heard, what you haven't heard. Um, and I mean, it's just it's it's magical. You know, it's it's the it's the feeling of discovery. And I've always said I think the second viewing is more important because it kind of is a little bit more true to what you feel. But mm. there's always been something special about that initial viewing of a film or art or anything. So just in general. What is your mindset when you go into a movie for the first time? What are you thinking? How are you feeling? And how was it? Was it any different or the same when you watched uh, another round for the first time? Yeah. I mean, as somebody that's constantly on like IMDb and Reddit and like looking at all this stuff, every movie that comes out that I'm going to see, I already know stuff about, you know, I know who's directing and writing it and I, I can't avoid seeing critical reviews. And so sometimes I wonder if that does alter my perception going in. I try not to let it do that, you know? Like, I try not to see a 90 and be like, well, I'm going to love it, obviously. Um, I like to just kind of go in with a blank slate and, like, let let what happens happens in the movie. And I try to um, – it's a little harder when watching a movie at home to completely tune out everything because in the theater you just go in, lights off, you know, you're, you're focused in if the movie mm-hmm. does its job. At home – you know, if you have to pee, you're more inclined to be like, ah, I can pause it real quick and go pee or, Oh, I want to go grab a beer or whatever. And, and for this movie, I, I did grab a couple beers cause yes. it just felt right. Um, yeah. we're, drink, drink, we're drinking beer right now. We're drinking actually. beer right now. So, you know, I think this is what Vinterberg would want. Yes. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, I think this past year, you know, watching a lot of these Oscar movies at home, it's been different, you know, cause normally, yeah, you, you take the trip to the theater, um, for, for my past, uh, you know, four years in college up in Rochester, you know, I was watching a lot of these award films in January. So it was super cold and like that whole atmosphere of going on like a snowy night to this little art house theater in Rochester. Like that was really special. Cause it was, I went alone not every time cause I, <laughs> I couldn't find anyone to go with me. And also I kind of just like going on. Um, and so I didn't have any of that this year cause I was just watching them here. Um, in my apartment. And it, it certainly was a different vibe trying to be able to tune out everything and like really dial into the movie. Um, but I, you know, I, I think at the end of the day I was still able to, it just was a different experience. Yeah, I agree. I've always kind of the first viewing of a movie 
yeah, at home is a little different because there's there's more setup involved. There's more, you know, kind of uh, the chances of something getting in the way are higher. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like I definitely had to pee like during this. So I paused it and it's like a quick moment of being taken out of it. So it's just like, yeah. um, And, you know, it's it's hard to kind of cut all the lights off at some points. Like I was watching it today um, this afternoon. So I had to like pull shades down and like keep. So it's it's different. But hopefully, you know, if a movie is. Yeah, it does its job and is telling a very compelling story Mm -hmm. um, and really grabbing you, then that stuff can easily be tuned out. And I got to say, I after watching this, I think that movie not only did that, I think this is and I, I still have some more stuff to see like including the three at the top that i mentioned but i think this is my favorite film of 2020 i, I was would have to agree <laughs> can we stop agreeing for once <laughs> no uh, i was i i and i knew a few things going into it i knew basically the concept but like i, I knew the direct i knew the director and i knew i love mads mickelson but i knew they had worked together before on the hunt in 2012 mm-hmm. and i knew basically that the pitch of like these these group of friends they're all teachers and they decide to live their life as you know keeping a steady alcohol content in their bodies at all times which is right. honestly one of the best elevator pitches of the 21st century in terms of movies like it's like immediately like oh what, what do we got going on here yeah. like, let's see it because <laughs> when i initially heard the the premise i thought they were college professors but they're high school like i would the danish equivalent of a high school um so that's interesting and yeah i mean i i really when i first heard about it and then just seeing people talk about it online and how how much they loved it i was very eager to watch it Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't really know, like, I heard it was like a tragic comedy, but I didn't know what angle it was going to take or, you know, my knowledge going into it was minimal, which is always fun. And yeah, just uh, when it ended, I was just I was so satisfied and just understanding like how the emotions you kind of go through of like at some points you're laughing, other points you're like, oh, like it's like suspenseful in a strange way. It's, um, you know, it's very heartfelt it's a very positive movie, which I was not expecting. Yeah. I was very, very happy during like all of it and just how light and heartfelt it is. I mean, yes, there's dramatic moments, but it's a very, very like free spirited movie. Yeah. Like it, it, for, uh, most of it is like a really, f- like you would call like a feel good movie. Like I was really happy for a lot of this. I'm just like, this is like, I just love this. Yeah. <laughs> I love the dynamic of the four of them. I love just, yeah, the vibe it, it carries throughout. Yeah, and th- so this is also um, one of the only times we've done a we've done a foreign film on this show. So just mm-hmm. to give you a couple quick specs about it, so it's it's another round. It's from 2020, directed by Thomas Vinterberg, um, co-written by him and Tobias Lindholm, and uh, it's uh, obviously Danish, starring um, Mads Mikkelsen, Thomas Bolarsen, Magnus Malang, and Lars Reinth all fantastic names like just amazing names <laughs> danish is a cool language it yeah. is um it had a budget of um 33.5 uh, million whatever the danish um currency Kron, is Kron, Kron. thank Kron, you something like that. um and then uh had a u.s gross of uh 3.9 million dollars which apparently is the highest grossing thomas winterberg movie um according to him when i listened to him uh, on a podcast didn't he do that one british one though was that also not that high grossing far from the, the matting crowd with um carrie mulligan do you know that one? Oh, did he do that one he did because when i was looking him up i was like oh i didn't know he did any english language movies interesting that not that i've seen that movie but i remember it coming out um wow. and, anyway. and yeah and it was slated for the 
2020 Cannes Film Festival, but obviously got pushed back because the festival was canceled and it premiered at TIFF instead and immediately got widespread acclaim and um, <clears throat> audience appraisal. So it was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Director for Thomas Vinterberg and Best International Feature Film. I, I'm, I'm going to say it now. I think this has a pretty good chance of winning international feature. Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's a contest um, just because I think – a, I mean, it's just the most talked about foreign film this cycle. And also, I think there were a lot of people that really liked The Hunt, which I still need to see. Um, mm-hmm. But that lost out to him more uh, back in 2012. So I think a lot of people have liked his work and you know are excited to reward him. So I, I think that one's a, a shoe in But I mean, th- there could be a surprise, but mm-hmm. what do I? That's know? true. I mean, I think because Minari's out of that race too. Mm-hmm. And they just put it in Best Picture. Yeah. So I think that you know obviously upped its chances as opposed to like, you know, when Parasite was nominated in Best Picture and International Feature last year, it seemed like, okay, one of them is a definite, you know. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, it turned out that both of them. Both. Um, I, I think there's something to be said about, you know, just acknowledging the fact that we haven't talked about as many foreign language films on this show. I, you know, but like there's more and more, I think, as more of them have been able to gain access like over here in the States recently because of things like social media and um, I think, you know, film Twitter and film culture is becoming more and more prevalent, which, you know, has its ups and downs. It's a whole other conversation for another day. <laughs> um, but I, I get more excited for foreign films now. And it, I don't know if it's necessarily like a rooting for the underdog or I feel like I'm going to get something different because they're, you know, trying to push the envelope and be. Uh, like very honest and i mean obviously i don't want to create generalization for uh, all foreign language features right but i don't know i i get excited to see which ones every year are gaining you know popularity and are intriguing and obviously i think parasite last year winning was a really good milestone for that yeah that was like a huge shift and like I i didn't know that this would happen anytime now um just because for so long there were good foreign films that the Oscars would either ignore or they would just nominate for best foreign film and, you know, move on from there. So Parasite ultimately winning was like the coolest. Like I was just so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's definitely, I, I, I think it indicates a shift in more American interest in foreign films. Um, I think there'll always be that disparity um, of like the mainstream audience not caring as much, but more and more film fans and beyond are caring about it, especially because of Parasite's win. Um, so that's really cool to see because I love watching foreign films for a different perspective on storytelling. Like I think European filmmakers are so interesting with the tales they tell and like the way they do it with less of a budget than most American productions have. Um, so that's something I've always appreciated about like their, their storytelling aspects. It also seems like they have more personal freedom Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's more and it sounds pretentious, but I think there's more artists, like more auteurs, like um, each year that we see, like Vinterberg, I think, is definitely an auteur. He has such a dis- definitive style in terms of tone yeah. and, you know, kind of knows what he wants. Bong is another great example. <clears throat> um, I And this one, I again, I, it was it was interesting because I wouldn't really necessarily know where to place it genre wise. It's it's not as it's, it's not like a satire. It's not uh, to straight drama it's not a straight comedy it's a fine blended mixture of a couple yeah. of different things which is uh it's hard to pull off i have it's very very difficult it to. is yeah, balancing comedy with drama and like tragedy um 
it's it's tough. It's a tough act to pull off, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And this time, I, I thought it was it, it found that parallel, like of of the tragic side of drinking and the the happy side of drinking, like and that whole parallelism throughout the movie. I think was what really sold it for me. Absolutely. I think with that, let's get into the critical breakdown. Oh yeah. Um, there's, there's so much to talk about. Um, I was, I was just, uh, just w- again, when I, when it ended, I was just shocked at how much stayed with me and how much I wanted to, um, get out because like there's every aspect of this movie is very clearly planned and knows what it wants to do. It also seemed mm-hmm. like it was a fairly easy movie to make. It doesn't like, it's, I, I don't know. There was just something about it that feels like I know what I'm doing and this is what we're going to do and it's going to work. Like I just yeah. know it. <laughs> There's a confidence behind it, which is so um, exciting. Um, I think one of the coolest parts about it is this opening does a really good. You know, there's great parallelism all throughout. I think the opening does a really great job of that. This cold open of the uh, the beer run or the, the yeah, like their version of a beer mile or something yeah, like that. The lake race, I think, is what they call it. Yeah, it's like all these teams run around a lake and they have to drink a case of beer and they have like a like. Such I, and at first I was like, is this a flashback to their um, like to their, their college young, years? Or yeah, something, their college yeah. years, and then it's like, oh, this is what we are now. Because when I, I when I was watching that immediately, I was thinking like, okay, this kind of reminds me of like the world's end mm, with like yeah. their kind of dynamic, and then how drinking kind of that one is a much more positive. <laughs> like drinking's great, like that's it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but this one, you know, kind of uh, blends it together. Um, and then, you know, hard cut to the title, to the title card and then into everyone at school. And we meet Mads Mikkelsen and all of his friends and they're all, you know, professors, but it's really cool to see how immediately they start off with this really young, you know, high energy and just complete, you know, you see like those two dudes kiss at the end and just like, (laughs) they're fucking like going crazy on the subway and they handcuff that cop. And then it cuts to a board meeting yeah between all the professors and you're just like okay this is this is something different this Mm -hmm. is a good this is a great setup yeah and that whole like first 10-15 minutes like the i i think um mads mickelson is able to capture like um you know that like sense of like just sadness and depression and like emptiness and i think it's I, i think it's a testament to how good of an actor he is that he can be so menacing as like le chief and um, you know, Casino Royale. And then in this movie, like immediately you're just like, this is a sad sack. Like this guy mm-hmm. is like lost all motivation of life. And I think that's all in his facial acting. And I think it's really impressive. Let's talk about him for a little bit. I think he's one of the best actors working today. I think, you know, with each movie, he really shows what he's capable of in terms like coming on to the American scene with Casino Royale, which I just rewatched um, last week and was still just blown away by it. and he's like honestly kind of one of my favorite parts of that movie oh yeah because i think he does something really interesting of like being a bond villain that's also somewhat empathetic and also has a is grounded in humanism in terms of like what he got himself into and how even he is kind of like shit i fucked up like you know he's like but and then in you know he's a father figure in row one but he's always yes. able to balance out the the good the the light and the dark in both 
in in all in any movie. And so in this, I think it's amazing that I was listening to a podcast with him and Thomas Winterberg, and they were saying how he's really good at ha- having ambiguity in every single like facial expression that he has. Mm-hmm. And we, the audience, are kind of forced to figure out you know what he's thinking about. But yeah, pretty instantly you kind of see this guy. Something's a little off with this guy. Like something's not like, and not in like he's a sketchy guy, but he's like internally he's clearly dealing with something and seeing you know his um and i also i think just mads Mikkelsen in general is just an instantly likable guy like he's a great character he's a um you know, he's very funny he's very smart um and you know in he in it's cool to see his daily routine like him talking to the teachers he's a very clearly like he's a bumbling professor who just doesn't like really know how to structure a class and keep yeah. everyone's attention and then his you know his family life everyone's just kind of like it's just coasting by him. Yeah, his wife's always leaving at night to work, and his sons don't really care. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a very interesting place to put this character, um, you know, at this point in his life because you feel it instantly. You're like, okay, this kind of is like a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. and you know he he's desperate for some change, and then some change comes his way. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, him and his, his three buds, uh, who are also uh, professors at the same, I looked up the word of what they call these. It's like, they call the gymnasium, but it means like the, the final three years of their college or high school education before going to college. Um, oh, okay. cause I think I know how like the Italian school system works and I think it's similar to that, that they have like kindergarten through ninth grade and then they go to like a technical school or they go to a, you know, high school of their choice for three years. And in Mm -hmm. uh, Denmark, they call them gymnasiums. So that's where it's set. So him and three of his professor friends. um, Yeah. He's a, he's a history, he's like a history professor. Yes. One of his friends, uh, Tommy is the soccer coach. Right. Um, And like gym teacher and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nikolaj is the, um, he's like a, is he the like, chorus conductor or is that the other one i don't remember their names off the top of my head uh no peter is the chorus is the chorus director nicolaj okay. is something i, I think like philosophy also, yeah philosophy i think um I, I also have to appreciate all four of them it was pretty easy to differentiate them in terms of character yeah. like they also they're a good group dynamic they're good friends like when mm-hmm. they go to dinner like that dinner scene is so good and so like it's such a good tone setter because it's like you know, they're celebrating um, Nikolaj's 40th birthday and they're, you know, it's it's for him. But when Mads gets sad and it turns on him, they're like, oh, shit. OK, we got to we got to get this guy back. Like we got to lift. His yeah, spirits. like they're they're really nice. They're good people. Like it's it's so refreshing to see that. Yeah, like they're clearly like an immediate dynamic of like this fearsome foursome. Like they have their backs out for each other. And so as soon as like, yeah, that, you know, where they're all cheering and drinking and stuff at that dinner and as soon as it's apparent to them that Mads uh, Mads is um you know clearly in a forlorn sad sack of a place um the immediate shift of them to you know to care for him is is really heartwarming Mm -hmm. and they talk about how he was a dancer and you know they put on a a few of the moves in the restaurant which is like really funny apparently Mads Mikkelsen was like an actual dancer yeah I found that out (laughs) looking this up too that he didn't take did in fact take dance when he was younger yeah so for like nine years apparently so he's like actually like really good and obviously we'll get into the oh I have so much to say about the ending but we'll get there (laughs) pace pace ourselves um 
but there's some there's something really cool about this first scene is like the introduction to how alcohol um, affects their lives, and it's never um, an outwardly negative thing necessarily. Like it's not a dooming presence that ruins them, um, which is a, a a a praise that I've read a lot about this movie is that it's not a movie about morality and how is alcohol good should we have it are they what they doing is right is it wrong it's kind of just like no this is just a point in their lives that they kind of have to get through and they find a way to do it using alcohol um and you know they find out about the uh but just that uh, after the after they leave dinner and they're just like, it turns into a Marx brothers movie almost where they're like <laughs> fast walking like that episode of oh, in the middle. That <laughs> part cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like arm wrestling, like in like while they're standing and then they just, yeah, fall, that fall was over. interesting. And they're all like tackling each other. And like in that moment, I think it's kind of like the intention is kind of showing them as like what they were when they were younger, probably, or just like, they still have that sense of youth within them mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, holding on to that. Um, and I love that whole, that sequence. It's so funny and it's so sweet. It, like I remember there's so, there's so many moments throughout this movie where I was just sitting there like with a big smile on my face and I was just like, yeah. Oh my God. Like it was just like, yeah. I just wasn't expecting it to take that because again, like it's not about, it's not really about the alcohol. It's really just like a, a, about their life. It's not like, I can't believe these guys are burning their lives to the ground. It's like, mm-hmm. no, the, what they do has consequences and we, and we see that, Yeah. but it's not, it's, it's definitely not like a PSA. It's definitely not in poor taste. It's not like, no. yeah, alcohol's fucking great. It's like, you know what? Yeah. Sometimes we need it and other times we don't. <laughs> yeah. Initially when they start their experiment, it kind of does feel like I was wondering, like, is this the path we're going to go down? Like, yep, this is great. Everybody should do it. Um, I guess we should talk about like the experiment itself. So yeah, it's um, some philosopher, Who's a real dude? Because I mm-hmm. also looked that up. He's a real Swedish like philosopher. Uh, they said that um, everyone's blood alcohol level. We could operate much better if we have a blood alcohol level of um, I think it's point zero five. Yeah, um, which is the equivalent of like one or two glasses of wine. I think is what the um, yeah the the uh, uh, Nikolaj says. Mm-hmm. So they start a pseudo scientific experiment of um, just continually throughout. Um, most of their day, stopping at 8 p.m., they say. Obviously, the rules get bent as the yeah, movie goes along. They reference Hemingway that he wouldn't drink after 8. Mm-hmm. Which is actually really interesting. I like how they pull in other famous people, like mm-hmm. famous figures and how alcohol affects them. Obviously, when Mickelson is teaching the class later and, yeah. is, and is like like skating on ice and is uh, you know talking about Churchill and yeah Hemingway and uh and then they talk about um Tchaikovsky I think or some yeah at one point that he was also a drunk and yeah yeah and so they just start they just start going and seeing how it affects them and it's honestly it's a really interesting progression it's it's I have to praise this movie for how good it's how well it's paced too and I think that has to do with how just amazing the directing is from Vinterberg because he does this really great like it's a lot of it is handheld mm-hmm. and a lot of it is very much like a third eye or like a fly on the walls kind of view it's not um judgmental it's not um philosophical necessarily it's very much just like all right document these emotions as um this catalyst is setting them off 
and because of that, you know, he knows how to edit the scenes. Sometimes they'll cut mid sentence, but it works. Other times it's like cutting to another action and mm-hmm. the whole flow and the timing of everything is just fantastic. Yeah. I wrote down that. I think his directing was very deliberate. Like I, I really mm-hmm. appreciated every like single choice made and it, it just was pretty clear why the director's branch nominated him because like, I think his direction really shines through like all throughout the movie. Yeah, and also an interesting choice of having kind of minimal music. And yeah. a lot of it like is if there is music, a lot of it is like pre-recorded music. It's not like a specific score. I mean, I think there are like there is a score, but it doesn't it's not a booming part of the movie. Nah, like he yeah. saves it, especially at the end when it's a recorded song. Sure. Um but I was like he really likes to kind of sit in silence at at, at times too. Um, which is really fun to see, but I love the first scene where they, um, where Mads takes, he drinks a little bit and, you know, goes to class. And like I said, he is just like living in it. He is like, I have never taught this well before. <laughs> and it's cool. Cause it's like, it's a good setup because he's like, he's bumbling in the first lesson. And then there's a bunch mm-hmm. of people come up to him and be like, Hey, we have an exam at the end of this month. And, uh, what the fuck yeah, are we doing? Like, that was a weird scene. Like all the parents come in with the students and they're like, you're a terrible teacher. Uh, yeah. Our kids are going to fail. <laughs> but it's at like 10 a.m. Everyone's yeah. schedule worked out well. <laughs> that's why I was like, what is what is happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're, you know, critical of him. And that's like why he clearly needs that turning point. And so he's got, you know, you know, some some whiskey or something in his uh, his <laughs> satchel mm-hmm. and just sneaking a couple of steps before class. Yeah. And he and it's it's cool to see him like, you know, he is hiding in like the urinal. Yeah, in the in the in the stall when he's doing, he's got this little breathalyzer. Yeah, they all have breathalyzers, so like they are trying to keep track of it, which I think is is fun. They're not just doing it willy nilly; they are trying to make it more experimental. Yeah, I like that. um, And this again, this is going to sound really pretentious, but I have to talk about it because it jumped out to me. I love the use of title cards in this movie. Oh, I I completely agree with like the the BAC percentage throughout. I love it. I love that. And like whenever they're typing like for their paper, because they're saying they're going to do this for like a social like a a social experiment, like research paper. So Mm -hmm. whenever they're typing, it like comes up on screen and just does because that to me is way more interesting than whenever someone and they do it when like they send text messages too. So like right. you get it from like Mads and his ex-wife at the end. So like it's so much more interesting than like you get a shot of, you know, someone and then the text bubble pops right, up above right. their head as if it's like, that's what their phone looks like. Like <laughs> uh, I'm, it's so tiring. It's so, but like, no, just this little title card as, as they're typing. There's yeah, just it something about very, it that adds to the visual. Yeah. It almost felt very like old school, like film, mm-hmm. like old Hollywood, like thirties, forties, or like even silent films, like title cards. Like I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I thought it, it, it kept it moving. And I yeah. liked just that it was documenting their BAC. Um, yeah, it actually reminded me. This is probably a weird example to make out of it, but there's this anime where this character, if he gets to a hundred percent, he'll like explode and like ha- like with this all this power and stuff. And so constantly throughout the show, they're showing his like if it goes up a couple percents and like what what kind of stress level is that? So it reminded me of that, like that that device of like where are they at with their blood alcohol content? And That's Dragon Ball yeah. Z, right? No, well, that, that has a power level, no, too. The one I'm talking about is uh, Mob Psycho 100. But oh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know me, I can shoehorn anime into anything. Oh, yeah. Anime is everywhere and everything is anime. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I also think that like what's kind of interesting about everyone's 
like every single teacher and all of like everyone in the friend group has very specific things going on like in yeah, their life. Yeah, I, th- I thought this movie was really well uh, or really good at um like even though Mads is the the lead character, the other three all get fleshed out in different mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, um, like the one guy like doesn't have like when they're drunk the one guy is like you know he doesn't have any kids but he's trying to think like do i want kids but then nicolaj is like well i have three kids and they pee on me in my yeah (laughs) there was an interesting theme of pissing in like his kid pees on him and then also the other guy had to help his dog pee in the very beginning do you remember before they go to dinner Uh that's that was such a weird i was like what is because he carries his dog out of state he's like i have to help him pee and i was like what what does that mean (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing to the dog i guess it's he said it was like really old so i guess yeah. like maybe incontinent but i guess that would mean he wouldn't need any help but i don't know um, i don't know man <laughs> and then uh uh i can't remember if what peter has going on with him he's the one with the dog right peter no uh peter. that's tommy peter's sorry. the choir oh you're right you're right um, okay i can't remember their names i'm sorry no it's okay but again i also love how like the, in their first lessons like i don't i don't know maybe it was just me but when peter Peter does like the when he pulls all the blinds down in the choir room mm-hmm. and it's like, OK, we're all going to like hold hands. We're going to sing. And like he's actually giving like good direction. And then he drinks. And then when everyone sings it, I was like kind of blown away by how good it sounded. It actually yeah. sounded like really good. Like It, it was, did. I love um, good choir music, like when it actually is like comes together, like and that for a high school, like actually sounded really damn good. It did. Um, and it was a good moment of like, hey this is working. <laughs> like it was mm-hmm. a euphoric moment and it's exciting. I love when that happens. Yeah. So that's what, at this point in the movie, I'm like, okay, so all their lives are just immediately better. Alcohol's great. Guess we can wrap it up. No. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it initially does start that way that all their lives are improving. And then I think the idea is introduced by Mads Mikkelsen. Like what if we up the ante and like went to 0.1%? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can, they continue to push it. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Point yeah. One. It goes from point zero five to mm-hmm. point one, um, and yeah, and and like Mads is doing like you know certain he's integrating his students into into it. Or it's like uh, you know how much how many drinks do you have like over the weekend? And that one kid yeah. said like fifty fifty five units. Yeah, fifty five like, a week. I'm like, bruh, what? Insane. <laughs> These Europeans, man, they're built different. I, they I guess so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it seems like everyone, but then they set up the stakes really well or just like creating tension of like, you know, the, the one guy is hiding or, um, Tommy is hiding bottles and stuff in the, uh, the gym locker in the gym locker and And he gets caught like pretty instantly and you're just like, Oh shit. Okay. So they gotta be more careful or they gotta, and it, it starts to they start to get the idea like you can clearly see like okay maybe this isn't like we gotta we gotta be more careful because they have that meeting when they do listen to uh, Tchaikovsky and they're just like goofing around and right. like there's a lot of good moments of goof like all four <laughs> of these guys are goofs and I love it yeah it's it's a it's a goof fest for a lot of it um, and yeah I mean I, I think also is it before or after the point one percent where he wants to do the canoeing trip but Mads Mikkelsen wants to do the canoeing trip with his family. Oh, that's right. That's what so like, he does. When it's he not just that he's point. teaching better; it's that he's you know trying harder at home, like getting his mm-hmm. whole family excited. Like, let's go canoeing, let's go camping. 
And, yeah, um, and he's uh, like very clearly just yeah trying to connect with everybody, and you can feel when it's like when she says no, it's he's just like no, come on, come on, please, we we, we got to do this, we got to yeah. like stay together. Um, and uh, there were so many moments again where I was like, how have they not gotten caught? Especially when Mads goes up to point one, like he's he bumps into the wall and gives that like, was his hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's like flying around the staff room like allowed to do do do, yeah. and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and then Tommy yeah. helps him out. And he's like, "Yeah, it's just a nosebleed. He's okay." And like, yeah. yeah, it's almost like they're pretty reckless with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, life is is going well. Like, I, I just like to talk more about that canoeing because when they mm-hmm. eventually end up going on the trip, him and his family, and they canoe in camp. What, what I really love about that is the title card again shows up, and he's at zero BAC. So I thought that was mm-hmm. like a really poignant moment, showing that. You know, it's not just about the alcohol. He's repairing his life, and it has nothing to do with that. And his some of these most tender moments are when he's completely sober. So I, that was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Continuing on that path, when they're honestly like after they have sex in the tent, and she's like crying, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I've missed us." Like that was a real hit in the heart. Yeah. You can see in Mads's face, like that, like hit him too. It was very raw emotions in that tent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a, a beautiful moment. Yeah, it was it was really good. And you can see like um, I also love the moment of uh, or the, the moment that I like kind of one, one moment that really stuck out to me that was kind of an interesting choice. And just in terms of the story is <laughs> Peter um, finds the one student, Sebastian, and is like, hey, are you, are you doing OK? Like, what's going on? Like, you can see he's like helpful with the students, but he brings up like, well, I mean you could have a drink before you like uh, yeah like he's, <laughs> he's spreading the message already like hey everybody should be drinking <laughs> yeah which is like a bad like american way that this story would go where everyone in the school is drunk on exams and they're like, <laughs> who started this like yeah. <laughs> this is so bad um but yeah so they keep that contained to um to that storyline oh the one thing i did want i wanted to talk about the uh the soccer scene. Mm. Um, I love the relationship, even though it's like pretty nonverbal between uh, Tommy and Specs, the little kid. Yeah, this little um, dorky kid who looks like um, uh, I forget the actor from Stuart Little. Yeah, uh, little yeah. vampire, that guy from, um, yeah, from Jerry Maguire. Yeah, yeah, he reminds me of that kid because he's got he's like a little blonde, dorky looking kid, and he's wearing glasses, and mm-hmm. it's pretty apparent that he, you know, is uncomfortable out there on the soccer field and is getting bullied by the other kids. Well, it's like um, they, Tommy. yeah, yeah. They like they only have each other, like mm-hmm. those two. I mean, yes, Tommy has his friends, but like they, two of them, like really kind of click together. And it's not even in like a creepy way; it's a very endear- in, endearing because you know, uh, Tommy's just like, "Hey, stay back a little bit. Let's just watch this." And when they're like doing the the national anthem, he like grabs his hand. And yeah. It's like really sweet. And so when he when he wins that. When he kicks that goal, I remember in my in, when I was watching it today, I was like, "Yes!" Yeah, me <laughs> too. I was like, "Yeah, he did!" Like, because he's coaching all the kids, pass it to him, pass it to him, pass yeah. the specs, and he kicks the goal. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. it's just like I had the biggest dumbest smile on my face." Yeah, I'm like, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. But like, and and all three of the guys are watching it. It's like Goodwill Hunting, right? They're just <laughs> like cheering on this thing that they have yeah, no I, reason I love to them. They're the, yeah, they're there just to support him, and it's like this like yeah minor like the little kid like. Just that they're like that close is like the camaraderie of it all. I, I just love it. It's just yeah, so wholesome. I, well, I think that is like the highest high of the movie for them because they're um, just like even after the game, they're playing with the, like they're playing with each other and just like yeah. knocking each other to the ground and just like, you know, tearing each other up. And it's it's so 
and it's also like it it's also not in a quote-unquote like man-child way like i think that like it doesn't get to the point where it's just like oh these boys it's like no they're actually feeling this they're actually connecting and feeling like they want to feel in this moment and because of how honest and you know true it is to the characters you can't help but like it like really hits you right it it feels it feels like you just want to be a part of it you're like i I love this brotherhood you know Mm -hmm. yeah and and you know, it, it, the movie's good because it, it, it tricks you in a way because it, it really gets you to be on their side of this idea and make it like be like, OK, this is actually working out for them. And maybe this was great. And then, you know, it starts to it's like right when Mads is like, I kind of got to back out of this. And then the drink that they make. After yeah, they make his, a Sazerac, which is like oh a God. notoriously high alcohol drink. It's um, like part vodka absinthe and like crushed like it's i, I was just blown away by that, yeah. the fact that drink exists because absinthe is like i think 60 percent abv mm-hmm. um yeah so like this is the part where they decide what if we just go all out like we push our limits and like full-on binge drink which is yeah. the original title of the film druk i guess is like the danish word for binge drinking or whatever mm-hmm. so um so this is the point in the movie where they're like, let's just go for it. So they start by making these drinks. And yeah, Mads Mikkelsen at first is like going to step away like I shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but then and it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's great that like, because it's kind of funny. Like at first, like, you know, they we only see them go up to like one point uh, one at first. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this is because um, Nikolaj is like, we got, you know, keep going. We'll reach true oblivion. Yeah, like he's saying it like it's a religion and it's like his faith almost. And, you know, it's it's interesting that like they his wife and family leaves and they're like, oh, don't forget to pick up fresh cod. Like, wouldn't you want to do that before you start drinking? Yeah, you want to like at least just get it out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. So they they're like wicked drunk at this point. The the meter keeps ticking up and up and then they go to the grocery store and they're just making a fucking mess. (laughs) It's the lowest of low points. It's like that 10 minute stretch of just on that note. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just a 10 minute stretch of just like crashing. So mm-hmm. there's like, yeah, that and, um, you know, when well, actually, no, because like after that, that's when they go to the bar. Yeah. That's so they're the already, they're already a mess. And then they go to the bar and and like the bartender's like stop <laughs> and, yeah. and they're like dancing on the bar mads gets up on like a table and yeah, well, he's on the piano that's why oh, that's because yeah. oh because um the, which one's the chorus director again peter is playing piano. yeah he's yeah. playing some songs in his underwear everyone. like his shirt is off and his pants yeah. are off it's nuts and it's, it's, um but yeah, it's still it's fun a, to watch like that part is. i was like you're just like oh okay but like everyone is singing like they're not getting kicked out of the bar like everyone is singing with them and like kind of being like yeah hurrah yeah and you get hints of mads's dancing like he almost does it but then he does that really amazing like turn around up and fall back like yeah to, to like a crowd surfing kind of thing it was I, I was honestly like pretty impressed by it i was like the just the camera movement of like the whoop Oh, and then yeah. he's down. <laughs> I really thought he was just going to be plummeting on the floor, but they mm-hmm. they got him. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, so then after that is when, you know, uh, Nikolaj goes home and is like just, you know, pisses oh. on the bed. Yeah, so, and, I mean, I called this earlier because after he kept talking about how his son's peeing on him and he has issues with that, 
I, when he was stumbling home drunk, I was like, he's going to piss himself. Like mm-hmm. I, I know it. And then sure enough, he does. And his wife wakes up. He's like, you pissed yourself. He's like, the kid does it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought he was going to be the one to get like divorced. Like he was going to have the family troubles more. So, I mean, but- she initially does say like, we're going to my mother's, but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be permanent by the end of the movie. But yeah. yeah. But then, yeah. Mads has that like really, really like heartbreaking he- scene at his- dinner with his wife. Um, cause like he wakes up, but that's like before she leaves, I think. Well, cause he passes out in front of like the neighbor's place. Oh like, yeah, on, that's right. Cause he falls on the concrete or like right in front of the neighbor's house. He's like, Oh, he's got a big black eye and mm-hmm. the neighbors find him. And then eventually his son comes out and brings him home. Yeah. And he has, you know, he talks to his wife and it comes out that she was cheating on him mm-hmm. and, you know, he, loses it and just like yeah because his son also points out you've been drunk for a while haven't you yes like oh yeah i love that his son like could like i think it just was a moment of showing like these sons do care like they're clearly Mm -hmm. observant enough to tell that yeah Um, uh and yeah he loses his shit like throws everything off the table and storms out yeah and he's like you know i am i enough am i yeah it's just oh my god it's again it's just an amazing moment from mads because i think because he builds up to it because at first he's just like you know, just kind of asking the question, like, are, did, are you are you seeing anyone else? Do you love, like, do you love someone else? And then it just it blows the yeah, top and off. I, and I really like the way she frames it of, like, you couldn't expect me to wait. Yes. Like, just knowing that he was, you know, kind of just a, a, a nothing presence for so long at this point in their relationship that he just, like, wasn't there emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the way she framed I just like the way it was written, rather. Um, yeah. I yeah, powerful. To- totally agree. And then, you know, that's when it like all starts to go down and then they start drinking again together. And once they get like the drunkest, the way that it's filmed, it's like really blurry and there's like mm-hmm. no sound and they're all falling over and everyone's just like really like, like tearing their heart out almost. And then it just yeah. cuts to them just sitting around. And then the title card of like, you know, this, the experiment's like, over. The experiment's over. Is it? It's it's brilliant. It was just a perfect moment of storytelling and direction because it's so harrowing and so earned. Like it's mm-hmm. very. You can see the progression throughout the story. Like once it gets there, it doesn't come out of left field or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just like, oh my god, these guys really are like kind of tearing their lives to the ground, and they recognize that. Yeah. Just. I was just blown away by the way that that was directed. And so because of that low, low, I think immediately after that is when like, that's when Tommy's story starts to pick up a little bit more. Cause like right. the professors or the principals, like we've gotten notes of, you know, uh, professors having um, alcohol in school grounds. This is when their lives kind of have to go back to normal in some way, but they just can't like Tommy comes in drunk, like at yeah, the worst so the possible other three time. Of them, <laughs> yeah. The other three of them have clearly stopped and they're all in this meeting. And the, yeah, the principal or whoever, the headmaster, headmistress mm-hmm. is like, we have, we've heard reports. And then, yeah, Tommy stumbles in like absurdly drunk, like so yeah. drunk. And, um, you know, yeah. and Mads in his, in his classroom, they're just like, oh, we've seen, like, seems like you've changed. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, oh, no. Oh, I felt so bad for him because he was so, he wanted to, you know, like, really connect with the kids, like, as much as he could. And I, I thought like Tommy got fired. I don't think that he did. I don't, like, they don't outright say that, but I'm pretty sure he did because after he stumbles in there drunk, Mads takes him back home. And that whole, I think that's what really does it for Mads is not that his wife left him, but also that like his friend 
is still in, in, in a terrible place and he's like mm-hmm. taking him home and, you know, trying to get him to sober up. And then when he does, he tries to go back for more beer and he's like, let's, let's cool it. Like, no, mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> and he keeps yeah. trying to go back for one. Um, so I guess just kind of seeing his friend. And I think what's really important is that at points in the movie, it's uh, mentioned that Tommy knew him first. Like he said, I knew him when he first started and he was, you know, a young, you know, fresh uh, professor. So I think that's that's stated earlier in the movie. So I think their relationship has been uh, going on longer than the others, as mm-hmm. far as I could ascertain from the movie. So it's I think it hurts him even more that he's losing Tommy. Yeah, and Tommy has that great moment, like when they're leaving, because um, they both that that actor was also in the hunt with Mad. So it's like they oh, okay. have a relationship with each other. Have you seen um, the hunt? I haven't, but I would okay. love to. I I, I need to go see it now. I think it's on Amazon, so that might be my next watch. Yeah, <laughs> um, and there's that moment where he says to him, like, "Hey, I'm I'm sorry. I, I can't remember his wife's name." Um, he's, uh, he's like, I'm, uh, I'm really rooting for you guys. Like I, Anika, Anika, that's right. Anika, or Anika maybe I'm I really, I'm, I'm rooting for, for you guys. It's like Martin and Anika, Martin and Anika. And that's kind of like the last thing he says to him before mm-hmm. he uh, ends up dying. And it's, I, I, I kind of, I kind of knew that someone was going to die in a scenario. You knew it had to end. Yeah. Like one of them had to have like a really yeah. unfortunate and end. like the, Again, the way that it's filmed, and I have more about the subtextual stuff about that later, just and mm-hmm. we'll get to it in the analysis, but just the way that it's handled, like everyone gets through the exam and, you know, Peter helps that one kid and, uh, you know, everyone's getting sea captain's hats and getting bees and whatnot. I, was, I wrote a note down, like, I want to graduate in Denmark because like, yeah. they get these cool hats, they're partying, like, yeah. it seems and, awesome. And, and like they tell you your grade, like the professor comes up, just looks you in the face, and is like, "B." Like that's that's. <laughs> we had to wait so long for our grades. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, and then that music is playing, and Tommy goes out to the boat, which they tried to do. That I will say, one of my biggest laughs in the movie is when they couldn't get caught in the supermarket. So then it like kind of hard cuts to them on the side of the dock oh, trying yeah. to get. <laughs> fish and he's like stabbing the the uh-huh. the um the net into the water and so we know that tommy has a boat and he just takes that boat out and with his dog one, yeah yeah one shot where he's there and then the next shot he isn't and you know yeah because they show him fumbling with the life vest and they don't explicitly show or say anything so it's kind of up to you like did he fall and drown did he crash the boat like did he uh, alcohol yeah. poisoning like it's ambiguous and i kind of like that it is because you just immediately know he died and mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it was a cause of the alcohol at least in some way. And it was also just like, you know, and they know pretty quickly, like in the next shot when everyone's partying in the courtyard, they yeah. go up to, you know, Nikolaj goes up to Mads and is like, you know, tells him and then he just like collapses. And you're just yeah, like, that's probably my favorite shot in the movie is where on both sides, you have all the students partying, and you can see in the middle just Mads and um, whoever comes up Nicholas, and tells them. Yeah. yeah, just like the two of them in the middle. So I loved that framing. I thought it was just like awesome. The movie looks great. It the does. The cinematography is fantastic. The, yeah, yeah. the framing, the handheld cam, the uh, you know the use of slow motion, and the, the blurriness is all so perfectly executed. Eight. Weird so I think we should just I, I want to talk about the ending, but I think that it kind of just 
bleeds into analysis because of the way that it concludes. So I think we should just go because I, I do you have any other like just critical stuff before we talk about the ending? No, I mean, we can we can talk about it. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. All right. Let's go to analyze this. This ending, and I, and maybe this is a recency bias and kind of just an initial feeling, but I think this ending is not only one of the best that I've seen in a while, I think it's one that is like, rivals like the ending of Whiplash. Like, mm-hmm. Whiplash was like my favorite ending of the decade, and we talked all about that. Sure. But the ending of this is like, I think they mirror themselves in a lot of ways, the use of music and obviously like um, physical passion, but the way that like it, it fits in with the story and just the way that it's filmed the excitement, the, the, uh, the music, like after when they go, they have dinner after this, or they have like brunch after the service and all the seniors are out there. And, uh, Mads is one with the students and he just starts pounding them back and just goes into a full on drunken dance, like routine. And like, it is unbelievable. It's bonkers. Yeah. Like what a, choice like yeah. this is the kind of choice that like i feel like only vinterberg could make like you know or just like the the it's just insane to see it because like following you know for me so at the funeral specs like comes up and places a flower on his grave and starts leading yeah. a song and like mm-hmm. I, I won't lie to you i was i was tearing up i was yeah. crying a little bit because it just really got me mm-hmm. and um so you follow that up with you know again, some more parallelism, them drinking to kind of like honor him in the bar and then the students driving by and drinking to celebrate. So again, just more Mm -hmm. of that parallelism, that juxtaposition, but then them kind of realizing we can't stop here. Like we have to keep going for Tommy and then them just kind of like, you know, parting with the students, like choosing to move forward to live on. And yeah, that whole dance sequence, I just was not prepared for that. (laughs) I was like, what? It just like, I think it's the kind of thing that some people would hate, but I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I, I knew there was some, I, cause I saw a review on like Letterboxd of it that was like great drunken dancing or something in this movie. And I was like, Oh, okay. So they're going to, but yeah, the whole, there's a whole, the whole routine is like, and Mads looks fucking great doing it too. Like <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. Like he kicks the beer can up and like jumps on the bench and is like cartwheeling and like getting all the students involved, like taking yeah. up as much space as he possibly can. And I was wondering for some it. of it if he had a body double, but knowing he was a dancer, I'm I'm thinking it it was all him. Maybe some of those cartwheels and stuff weren't him. I, he's like in his fifties, right? So I, I don't know how he, oh, yeah. he could still be doing it for all I know. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was him the whole time. So yeah, I was just honestly the closest comparison I kept thinking of when I'm watching this. I was like, this is like Napoleon Dynamite, like <laughs> ending, just like a crazy dance sequence. Yes. And like, so fitting. Like, it just oh my makes God, sense. Yeah. It's just the most like external way to like, you know, show emotion. And there's really no, it's like kind of the highest form of it. You know, like, I mean, we both love musicals. Like when they mm-hmm. break into song, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a no brainer for us that they're able to do that. But here, because of how it's just continually built up this feeling of this a midlife, you know, crisis and 
him wanting to return to something that he like really truly loved mm-hmm. and that, that now is obviously that Mads is able to dance but he like broke out of his shell and then he jumps off and it freeze frames like yeah. it's just it's a perfect ending it's a yeah because it's ending. him finally letting go you know and just being himself and then also i mean it's it's paired with right before that he gets some texts from his his wife saying yes. mm-hmm. you know I, I i miss you a lot or you know I, i'm well yeah. and because then he says you know tommy really is rooting for us and she says i am too yeah and so that mixed in with all that i'm like this is like such a beautiful ending of like mm-hmm. you know I think the typical route in a movie like this is to take Tommy's death and just roll with it. And that's the end of the movie. Like don't drink kids, but this movie tries to be so much more than that and continues with that theme of parallelism that, you know, there's good and bad to drinking. And I think it's almost like a part of it, I think is like a a bigger statement on like alcohol and drugs and how it influences artists, musicians and directors and everything and like the good and bad of it. Mm -hmm. And so I think by not just running with the sad ending, but instead turning it on its head and having this dance sequence to end it, it's like, I was just like when this movie ended and actually Heather walked out, right. I read it ended and she's like, what'd you think? And I was like, I, I just adored that. Like, Holy crap. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm always one that's hesitant to like, right after I watch movie, be like, that was my favorite of the year. But like, of all the movies I've seen from last year and for this Oscar cycle, yeah, I, I can't think of one I, I enjoyed more by the end of it. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And, like, I mean, I love Nomadland. I love First Cow. I love Judas and the Black Messiah. But, like, there's there was just something about this with such energy and, you know, like I said in the beginning, clear direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the even though I think we have similar viewings of it, I think I love the fact that there is kind of an ambiguous ending that it freezes on that. It's kind of like the wrestler in the way, the ending of that. Sure. Um, and it's, you know, thinking of like, okay, does he, um, does he fly or does he fall? You know, right. it's, it's also kind of like Birdman. It's a similar yeah. um, kind of approach to it. I, I definitely think he's, you know, flying high and mm-hmm. is, you know, at the, the best part of his life and is now feeling like everything is restored and is, continue is able to continue on which is the one thing i wanted to say in terms of like analysis that like having tommy's death is important and yes like the whole having having the alcohol and um just the idea of drugs and the something sometimes it helps people and sometimes it doesn't um which is obviously very true the other thing i was thinking is that like it's just even without the alcohol you could have put anything in there as the catalyst for them to feel younger and really it's just an idea of like some people are able to make through it make it through this tough part of their life and some people just aren't and you know it ends it ends badly for a lot of people and it's um but i think because of the movie being so hopeful and being like you can make it through it is it is absolutely possible and you can get help and the catalyst that sent you on this crisis can actually be the thing that saves you Mm -hmm. is like I just wasn't expecting that. Like I just wasn't expecting this movie to be so happy and so heartfelt. And it was like it it kind of was the movie that, you know, I, I kind of needed, you know, right now because it's it's a very, you know, it's a very up in the air kind of time. And, you know, the next step that is imminent is also very, very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm not middle-aged or anything like that but (laughs) (laughs) if you couldn't tell um (laughs) but uh it's just the you know we've all had those moments of like okay what's next what am i doing you know where Mm -hmm. where am i right now and the you know the idea that 
you can make it through and that it chooses to focus on that, but not just pushing the other thing under the rug as if it didn't happen. Um, it's clear like acknowledgement motivation to continue on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just, I really like that. I, I, and I have this feeling that sometimes, you know, if a movie like this could be misconstrued as being like, yeah, alcohol is great. Or like just from the premise, probably like, yeah, alcohol is great. Alcohol is the saving grace. Or it's like, Oh no, alcohol is bad. We shouldn't, the use of alcohol is just out of control in this world. Bring, bra- yeah. bring back prohibition. Yeah. <laughs> To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's 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 really not. A, it, yes, al- like I said, alcohol is the 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 catalyst, but it's not the focus of the movie. It's just no because the dynamic between all of them is and like yeah, it's the, a friendship. In their movie. lives. Like I, I really like what you said about that. It didn't have to be alcohol. It just is. I think that's important for like the end of this is that I don't think this movie is a uh, glorification or like an endorsement of alcohol or an endorsement of their practices. Um, it's more so a story about, you know, falling into lows in your life and rebounding from that and how some people can and some people can't. And I, I think it's really poignant in that way. Um, I also was thinking though about that aspect of like people, the takeaway for some people being like, alcohol is good. If this was like an American movie, I just wonder how many people would start this as like a challenge of trying mm-hmm. to maintain the point zero five, like in their daily lives. Yeah. Like beer fest or like tag, but for alcohol or something. Yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I think it, it just, you know, I, I think something like this would lean more and lean more into the comedy and it wouldn't be able to mesh the tones well. And it also wouldn't, um, like I, it wouldn't. Um, like I think if if they would continue, if you took the same story beats, like if you did the beat sheet of this movie and tried to make it like an American R-rated comedy, mm-hmm. like and still had like the death of the friend or whatever, it probably just wouldn't work. Like it wouldn't have the same emotion. And I'm not. I I, I don't want to like knock like American films or American comedies by any means. Like obviously I, I love that shit. Like I yeah. love it all. Um, but I think this movie because it knew that it, it had to it had to be careful. It had to be very careful. This movie is a very delicate tightrope act of yes. just making sure that the audience is totally and completely on the side of the characters. Because the other thing, the other angle that you could go with this or like almost in an anti-hero type way. And again, the going back to the idea, it's not a moralistic movie. It's not really concerned with the ethics or the um, beliefs of, of vices or, mm-hmm. you know, um, the social ideas that this movie is trying to, um, you know, tackle through this experiment. It's more just about life and it yeah. is about, um, and then it could also be, it could take it in a way that could be kind of, sl- um, like sloshy and kind of hokey. Like yeah. it could be like a soap opera kind of thing. And, and, and somehow it was able, each decision was able to make it, um, you know, to the other side of the tightrope. Yeah. I just loved the, the sense of finality with each of their little plot lines that each of them did what they wanted. And like, even we didn't mention the one, like the uh, chorus director, like at the end of the graduation, they sound lovely. And so like all all of them like achieved mm -hmm. something, you know, they, they touched alive in some way. Um, and I think that that was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, the way it was wrapped up like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say, I, I, this was one thing that, um, I really love in terms of like speaking of like a message or just like a very clear, um, you know, it, it, I can't remember who says it, but there's a conversation early on the first night they get drunk, like after the the birthday dinner, someone mm-hmm. says, um, 
you know, oh, we're professors. They're going to remember us for the rest of our lives. It's like, nah, they're going to forget us as soon as we leave. And at the end, you know, you see Mads Mads goes through this incredible transformation of this bumbling idiot to the end where he's dancing and drinking. He is living and he is... Who's gonna forget that after they graduate? Not a single one of them. I tell you that they're all like shooting champagne. That's what I was like. Yo, why can't American high schools be like this? Uh, um, yeah, and it was so good because, like, yeah, he was like after. Yeah, like I said, after that, no one's ever gonna forget that or him. And nah. even like even before that, like I think he, you know, made a change because just by the students being like, oh, you know, you've, you know, what happened? You've you've changed, like. After he gave it up, you know, after he stopped drinking, all the students were like, oh, this is something this is different for the past few weeks. Like, what's uh, what's going on? Like, even they care for him. And it's amazing because, again, like, I think that that's an interesting teacher student dynamic that isn't really explored all that much. Because, I mean, like, you know, we have things like Dead Poet Society um, and like, you know, Stand and Deliver or something like that. Oh, that's a good one. It is a good one. Um, where, you know, it is very much just like this is the professor that changed my life. Whereas this movie is like, you know, this 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 was a, a kind of a special relationship and feeling like this is an interesting part of my life. Like, I don't think that these kids are going to be like, this is the professor that changed my life. They're going to be like, I, I definitely remember that professor. Sure. But they're probably going to be like, oh, man, he was a good guy. Like he was a, you know, he was a very interesting part in my in my, you know, education uh, yeah. career. Um, and again, it's not hokey. Like I hate when things are hokey. Like, it's yeah, <laughs> no, it definitely doesn't have that aspect to it. At least not the way I perceived it. Like everything feels real and like natural. And like, you're just happy that everything progresses the way it did with all their storylines, at least the people that they helped. Um, and yeah, it's never that moment of like, look at all the good they did. It's just like, it, it feels like resolved in a way that you're like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like they, they all touch on these lives and like, and uh, uh, their impact will be felt onward yeah i I also don't think i probably should have mentioned this earlier but i don't really think that this is also rare and this is another kind of uh, like one parallel that i could find is something like parasite just because not necessarily just because of obviously like foreign films in the oscar race this year but it just kind of came to my head no one in this movie is a bad person like no one in this movie i'm like i outright hated or i was like what are they doing like yes the the uh anika is technically cheats on mads but you also understand what the family dynamic is and you see how that fits in and how that plays into his story, but also where she's coming from and like where their relationship, because like she kind of has, if she was just like a, like a housewife and didn't really have any total impact and he was just being an asshole and just leaving, that's one thing, but she is like out doing her own work and they just never, their lives just hadn't intersected in so long. Right. Um, They're just both moving through life, not really considering one another. Exactly. And so there's no, it's a, it's a movie when no one is a, like there's no villains. Yeah. There's no outright terrible person. (laughs) Yeah. Another way that they could have gone with this and it's kind of fun to play like the woulda, shoulda, coulda game with a movie like this that I kind of think is pretty perfect because I don't really know a choice that could have altered the story to make it better. But like they could have done like if, because for a second I was thinking maybe the principal was going to be like a, or the head, um, headmistress was going to be a, um, like a, uh, an, a, a villain in some way where they were just like, Oh, okay. We're going to put, 
Tommy is going to have a hearing with the district office, right. and we'll, we'll we'll let you know if he is fired or not. Yeah. You know, you, you teachers make me sick, and they didn't do that. Thank mm. God, you know, <laughs> like it just like would have been the worst Harry Potter movie. Like, ever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> funny you bring up Harry Potter because that freeze frame at the end. The first thing I thought of was Prisoner of Azkaban freeze frame. Yeah, <laughs> the most out of place freeze frame in movie history. Yeah. Well, I was movies. thinking of like the ending. It kind of also makes me think of like the ending of. Dallas Buyers Club because the last shot of that is when McConaughey is like I think it's like two years after he was diagnosed with AIDS and he's Mm -hmm. riding a bull and it freeze frames on him riding and slowly zooms in on him and it was this like good little kind of quick image of a guy who had made it through and defied everything that everyone had told him about and was in that moment kind of let everything go and was again living his life the way that he wanted to obviously on a different scale in terms of like sure. you know, rodeo and, and disease which can't be controlled whereas this was just a life thing with um uh with alcohol um but it again i yeah when, when a freeze frame is well utilized i give it all the props in the world because it's a really hard thing to pull off yeah, it, it you know for years it was used as kind of a hokey thing, so it is mm-hmm. it is hard to pull off and be convincing with it. <laughs> um, okay, so you know we've talked it to death. I think we should just bring it home. Obviously, it's it's interesting just because of how recent we watched this and it's our first time. And I'm glad we did this one pretty quickly because I think we obviously shared a lot of. Um, feelings on it but it was one that i was like i gotta talk about this now i gotta talk about this now whereas with something like promising young woman rihanna and i were talking about how it was kind of good to just let it sit for a little bit to kind of gather your thoughts because that movie is a little bit more complicated um and in terms of its place in like social political stuff this one not so much um but i i want to know you know why on this first viewing like why was this movie instantly a a love for you and how does it add for your love of the medium yeah i mean i guess I, I mean, it kind of blew away my expectations. I mean, I didn't really have a lot going in, and so maybe that was part of it. It was, you know, maybe if I had seen The Hunt, I would already have preconceived notions. If I loved that movie, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna love this one too. But I, I hadn't seen one of this director, so I went in just like, let's see what we got. And I had heard some things about it, and just like the premise interested me, but I didn't know if it could, you know, be part of a movie that would just blow me away. But like, just as it went on, and enjoying the highs. And like the of the friendship and the the smile it put on my face at so many points of this movie, but then also the sheer emotion of like you know that moment where Specs places the flower in his coffin. To, for a movie to reach both of those highs in the, in the same runtime in the same two hours, mm-hmm. I think is a feat that is very hard to pull off as somebody that only cries for select movies. So <laughs> I think. It, that's. I mean, I'm not saying I always base my love of movies on if they can make me cry or not, but it, it's it doesn't always happen. And so, for a movie to just bring such pure, unfiltered joy from one moment, and then just like exploring the somber side of alcoholism, but then ultimately showing that you can persevere, and that it's it's more than a story about drinking. It's it's a story about persevering through, you know, adversity. Um, I don't know that it just by the end of it, I, I just adored it. And that ending is iconic. Like, I think that's going to go down in film fans. Like history is just like a crazy ending. That's like such a specific choice and such one that works. Um, and the more I've been sitting here thinking about it, the more I think it works. <laughs> yes. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Um, hang on a second. Uh, shut my door really quick. 
Um, okay. Because my mom is like training with Maggie for right now. I don't know why, but she is. <laughs> um, Woof. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree that I think the ending is going to be one of the signature scenes that we remember from this decade. And I could be totally wrong. I kind of made like assumptions about that with Promising Young Woman uh, last time. I said that I think that movie is just kind of going to pass by and have its moment now and then just kind of fizzle out. But this one, but this one, I think that ending scene, I think, is going to be the one like when you have like a um, like a a reel of the best of the decade. I think that that ending is going to be the one that like people can really recognize and remember. Um, and I, I just, I love, I agree with all the emotional heights. I love the blending of genre and feel and completely getting the audience on your side. Um, you know, just in all positivity, uh, and not, it's not cynical. It's not no. pessimistic in any way. It's, it's honest and it's hopeful. Um, and in, and, and not even in, in, in a naive or idealist kind of way, it's very much just, these are the rules of the movie and everyone abides by them. And it's very clear, like where, um, you know, how the movie is set up in terms of like way, the way that the story is necessarily going to play out. Not that not, not saying that the story is predictable, but because it has such a distinct style and again, a confidence about the way that it's directed and the way that it's made, um, it's just it, it's it kind of coasts through the story with such ease and it kind of and again that may sound pretentious or that it doesn't really make any sense but it's it's a weird thing to put into uh, put into words but everyone just knew what they were doing um, yeah. with this movie which is such a um, exciting thing to see and I totally agree that it like defied my expectations I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did I I, I kind of uh, knew that I was going to like it I was very excited for it and you know a lot of people that I had talked to or I listened to were very much in the camp that it's good and they enjoy it I just I was not expecting it to take the top spot I wasn't expecting it to yeah. knock First Cow or Nomadland um, off because I, I also think that it's such a different movie for this yeah. year um because yeah, I, I, again, it, it like those two, like a bubble. Yeah, you know? yeah, and because like those two, like I like Nomadland, which is probably going to win. Is a, don't get me wrong, is an amazing movie, but it's a very slow kind of just slice of life. Check out this period in time of this one woman, whereas this mm-hmm. is a period in time in these characters' lives, but it's also a little bit more specific and about what they're feeling during that um, period of their life. Um, and I think when Nomadland is something about more so like the people that she meets and the experiences that she has when she doesn't know, um, you know, where to go and just kind of goes. Whereas this has a very distinct catalyst. And I think it's also just because this movie has a bit more of a distinct story structure, of yeah. the, you know, the setup, the highs, the lows, and then the resolution when Nomadland is a bit more just, um, yeah, methodical in that way. But yeah, so like, I, I just I, I love when there's also great imagery in a movie. There's a lot of really good like thematic imagery, like you said, the putting the flower in the coffin, um, the whole thing I talked about when like they're they decide like have that moment. Okay, we have to stop. There's just you know every beat is like and every second is like you know utilized to its fullest potential. I feel and it's and it's inspiring it's a movie that like i i like watch and i'm like how does someone direct a movie like this how is he able yeah. to like it makes you jealous in a way right yeah because I mean, <laughs> of just like you know 
and an almost simplistic style uh, style. But again, a lot of handheld, a lot of close-up shots, a lot of it's not a very flashy movie. It's not a very um, loud movie. Like it's not doesn't beat you over the head. It's just. Um, I, I just love when something's honest and I'm also just a very positive person. So when something is very wholesome and very heartfelt um, and uh, you know, true to what it thinks the story is, it, it's great. And when it actually pays off, I feel good and I feel happy about for the director that it actually worked for them. Yeah. Um, so to wrap this up, I just want to read the nominees really quick for uh, best uh, international feature for this year uh obviously uh <laughs> nomadland or sorry um another round is uh nominated amongst them uh for uh for denmark uh it also uh nominees include um charlatan from the czech republic dear comrades from russia okay i don't think this is right give me give me a second wikipedia is throwing me off <laughs> hang on <laughs> Let's go to the Academy website. The Academy. Hmm. Okay. Nope, that's not helpful either somehow. Oscars 2021. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So the nominees for this year are another round. Um, Q Vida Aida, uh, The Man Who Sold His Skin collective and better days i've heard better days is fantastic um but i uh have yet to see the other nominees. i've heard um that yeah quo vidi or however you say that the bosnian one i've heard good things about that but i can't say i'm too familiar with any of those other four mm-hmm. um i think i, I you know i kind of hate to say it but i think the international feature category is kind of one that the voters kind of be like, oh, I know, I know about that movie, so I'll vote right. for it. So you like, know? there's always one frontrunner that's like, I've heard of that one. I, my friend told me about it, or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, I and I, I, so I think it's safe to say I think that one's going to win, um, or I think that another round is going to win for that. Um, I, I do think that like. I I, I kind of wish Vinterberg would like kind of be the surprise pick. I don't think he will. I would be very. I'm very happy with Chloe Zhao. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Chloe I think she's that one. totally gonna win, and I think it's totally deserved. But a little surprise. I do love a little good surprise for like one specific yeah. category. I think it's gonna be Best Actress this year in terms of what the surprise is um is gonna be because yeah. um I think it's always in terms of like the trend. I feel like the acting categories always have the one where it's like someone wins like all the others, like the SAG, the Golden Globe and the BAFTA. And then the Oscars, the one that's like, like Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o for 12 years of slave was kind of the, yeah, she was cleaned up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so for this year, I don't know, um, you know, who's going to win that, but we'll see. But I'm at least happy that this movie got that Vinever got the recognition. Yeah. For directing. And I think, uh, um, it's almost like a, a, a bigger idea that like the director's branch seems to really love foreign films. Cause you had, um, Powell, Pawlowski, or, yes, mm-hmm. um, he got nominated for Cold War, kind of out of nowhere. Um, did you watch that, by the way? I haven't seen that one. I did just uh, watch Ida or Ida. Um, I got to watch Cold War next. So, like, I think the directors, you know, they they're watching foreign films more than like the general voting audience, and I think that's really cool to see. And I think that's apparent with Vinterberg's nomination. Totally agree. Um, any other final thoughts? Go see this movie if you haven't. I mean, clearly, if you're listening to this episode, you've probably already seen it. But yeah. <laughs> um, I loved this movie. I thought it was brilliant. 
Um, yeah. I agree. It's on Hulu. Um, so definitely uh, give it a watch if you uh, haven't already. Um, as always, Matt, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. You know, I'm glad to be here. I feel like you're Johnny Carson and I'm just some guest <laughs> that keeps coming on. You know, I could have picked a different late night host, but it just seems like more like a Carson thing, you know, because he oh always had God. those like recurring people. So I, I'm always glad to be back here talking movies. <laughs> well, inflate my ego more when compare <laughs> me to Johnny Carson. I'm sure our tens of listeners will agree with that. <laughs> All right. Signing off. Thanks, buddy. As always. That does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. A big thanks to Matt for coming on. If you'd like more Frankly, I Love Movies content, be sure to go follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Frankly, I Love Movies, on Twitter at Frankly Podcast, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at BigWalls21 for all recent movie reviews. If you'd like to leave any comments or reviews on any of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, please do so. It really helps us out. Frankly, I Love Movies is part of the Orion Valley Productions podcast network, where you can listen to other shows such as Ravnica Avengers for some real play D&D action and Tea Time with Titans, our long-running Attack on Titan recap podcast. New episodes of that are out every single Wednesday. And finally, you will not have to wait long for the next episode of this show. We are going to do one more special Oscars episode in anticipation for the ceremony on Sunday, the 25th. I want to keep it a little bit under wraps for you guys, but come back next week for our final episode of this short Oscars series that we have been running. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. <laughs> <laughs>